Hi, patrons. Hello, everyone. You're not a patron. Why are you saying hello to me? No, I'm saying hello to them. Oh, that was very confusing. Yes, well, we like to think that the people who are hearing this are so clued into our whatever that they will understand it. Hmm, true. So this is the August patron special. We are talking about, as promised, Star Trek 25th anniversary. Now, I realize we might have a problem this month when Eric texted me the other day and he said, I can't get past the ship battle in the fourth uh, mission I've just tried for. I think he said you ultimately tried like four or five times. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you, I beat the fourth fourth space battle on my first try. Well, but, look at you. <laughs> uh, no, no the, the the space battles are terrible. Well, neither of us beat this game. I think I just petered out on energy because of some of my issues with adventure games in general. But and this is a very adventure adventure game. Well, this this is a. I see this game as a. This, I I guess you know starting it's it's a beautiful looking game in terms of the art that's made for it. They got all of the original cast to. Uh, play the characters so you have William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and everybody um this obviously had a lot of money thrown at the uh production end of it uh because this was supposed to in a lot of ways it's the this game and its sequel Judgment Rights sort of slot in as the fourth and fifth season in a similar way that the animated series did um the writing is very good it feels like you know Star Trek episodes but as a game, there's a lot of problems with it. And I think th one of my main issues is the interface with this. Uh, yeah, the, I mean... In, the interface looks very good, but it's completely non-functional. I... Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like... I mean, I want to talk about this as a Star Trek thing, because I think that might be yeah. of more interest to our listeners than giving a, a breakdown of, like, the, the video game aspects to it. But we can also talk about that, because I think sure. it is important to, to kind of say why we had such a problem with this game <laughs> because and, and i i think it's too, yeah well it's it's a i mean like you said the writing is good it's very star trekky it does one of the things that i always you know heard about this game was that it really did make you feel like you were like a starfleet captain yeah. in the federation and it does a really good job with that yeah i think the my criteria for a licensed game a buddy of mine said this about the 2009 Ghostbusters game. It's not the best game, but it feels like hanging out with the Ghostbusters. There is a degree to which this feels like hanging out with Captain Kirk, but well, which we'll get into. I feel there is a wall between me and the story in some ways. Yeah, I think that. I mean, you know, since I mean, I think that there's what eight stories in this one, six or seven. Okay, but yeah. So I I was only able to beat the first three. The first two are pretty short. And the third one is where I think they start getting a little bit longer. Yeah, and now, the third one has a lot of convoluted puzzles. I, I also did not like the third one at all. From the third one on, I was using a walkthrough. And yeah. when you get to that point in a game, that always feels very, very lame to me. Well, it's a very... I don't know, because I've always said this is some sort of lost classic, and it was unavailable for a really long time. You could not find it anywhere yeah. legally, and it was even hard to find illegally, frankly. And it got re-released, I think, last year or the year before. And, you know, you can get it on Steam. You can get it on good old games. I just feel like maybe people thought this was a better game because they played it in 1991. Maybe. There are, in a lot of ways, it's an extraordinarily dated game. Yeah, it's not. I would like to see this game remade with a modern interface. Well, what I've, what I've been thinking for a while, and I think we might have even mentioned this once or twice on our podcast something like the likes of what telltale does with uh 
games nowadays where they will get a license and they will tell a story in it, and it is an adventure game, but they've done a lot to make it, uh, you know, so you're not doing these traditional point-and-click adventure game puzzles. They ha- do a lot to integrate the player into this. Some kind of a, a, a start, I've always said if Telltale did a Star Trek game, it would probably be extremely good. I think the issue, yeah, I mean, I would say that I would be fine with them even remaking this game. Yeah. Just with a better interface. I mean, part of the part of the issue of course is that, you know, you're not going to get Leonard Nimoy or no. you know, DeForest Kelly uh, or James Doohan to mm. be uh, giving their voices again. So, you can't really make another Star Trek game yeah, like this. Yeah, you can and, even if Shatner would be game for it, you know, you can't have a Star Trek story without Spock. Right. And so that's kind without of a bones. problem. You could make one that was based on the new movies, but who wants that? So, I'm okay with it. I just feel like there's an issue with this game where I was really expecting some sort of like wonderful experience and I'm kind of really soured on it because I just don't, I don't think it's that good. Okay. So I mean, the other thing too, is that I'm not a big adventure game fan. Well, the thing is I used to be a big adventure game fan in the nineties. Now, as I've gotten older, I find it very hard to play the old classics. I have a ton of friends who, many of whom are listening to this podcast and going to be pissed at me, but who, you know, love adventure, these adventure games. And they certainly have, uh, companies like Wajidai, for example, have done a lot to do that old traditional style of point-and-click game, but in a way which is much more streamlined, which, you know, they've worked on their interfaces to make it not so... You have to do, like, three clicks to do anything in this game. Um, instead of direct... Yeah. It, it, it's the kind of... This is basically a, a verb coin game, which means you right-click and a little picture of, you know, a, a, a silhouette appears and... If you click on the eye portion, that's examine. If you click on the mouth portion, it's talk to and things like that. Um, you know, so you have these six different cursors and you have to select which cursor every single time in a way that, you know, modern adventure games have streamlined all the verbs into one cursor and a right and a left click. And not even, not even that, but I think like I didn't realize, I think until episode three, that you could use one of the other characters. Yes. There's this moment where, you know, you, you beam onto the third mission. I mean, we'll talk about each mission, at least the ones that, that we both were able to play. But uh, there's the, in the third mission, you, you beam onto this uh, space station. And it's kind of like, a, a I guess, a prequel to Wrath of Khan. Yeah. It's got Carol Marcus in it. Yeah. And you, and you actually see the Genesis device in an early stage if you look at it. and Which is cool. Yeah. No, it's, but, it, again, in terms of... but. My my point really is that um, when you beam onto the station, you kind of like, okay, look at the computer. Spock walks over to the computer automatically and says, Dr. McCoy, maybe you would like to take a look at this. And I was like, how do I make Dr. McCoy <laughs> do that? I don't know how to do that. And I didn't realize until later on that you could actually use Dr. McCoy on the computer. And it actually gives you information on how to solve the puzzle, which seems bad to me. So Well, the ba- the main puzzle of... The plot of that one is that a accidentally this lab has developed a virus that the Romulans believe that is a bioweapon. So you have to basically create a cure for it, and the you know the computer will tell you certain formulas, and you have to make Romulan laughing gas to incapacitate them, and that kind of a thing. Again, in theory, it's a clever puzzle, but the way that it is so convoluted and so it's convoluted. Clumsy. There are different devices and different rooms that you need to go to, and walking is slow. It's the walking kind of is thing. slow. I didn't really find that the game was that forgiving about where you can click yes. even to walk to certain places. Yeah, and it's it's also the kind again. It, 
that's one of the trade-off with pixel art at with sprite art at this point is that for for example when you walk into the room there's a couple of seconds where the characters will walk into their place that they're going to hang out in the room and you can't really move the characters to them so you have a second or two to wait yeah. it's really just it everything takes a lot longer than it ought to um, and the only reason, frankly, I knew to use uh, McCoy on the computer was, again, I was using a walkthrough at this point. I guess I didn't find that the puzzles were satisfyingly challenging. It was the kind of thing where a lot of adventure games, you know, reward you just bopping every item on every everything. And that's what I c- could tell it I was going to have to do to complete this. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. I mean, there's definitely... You know, the first one I thought was probably the the more interesting one, even though there really wasn't much to it. Uh, that one is called Demon World, and apparently what happens is you go down to a planet, and they're like, oh, you're being attacked by demons. And of course, they're not demons. But it turns out to be this android thing that was constructed by an alien species yeah, that it's put a di- itself into suspended animation. And, you know, what... I mean, it's very Star trek and it's fine. And then suddenly they're like... Yes, we will send you an application to join the Federation. It's like, is that really that easy to join the Federation? But it was, it was, it was cute. It was a normal little. We think there's a threat, but it turns out that when we talk and become friends with it, you know, we can work towards peace and mutual. It, it, it's very Star Trekky. Yeah. Um. In general, like the stories are, and they all end with the three of them on the bridge and saying their little joke. Again, the the writing I thought was fine. I had no problems with that. Well, I do want to talk more about the game in terms of Star Trek, but I think it's going to yeah. be hard for us to do that because, again, we didn't get very far. And, well, I'll t- and I think that you know that's really the problem with this game is again is that I feel like I don't know that you really get. I mean, we haven't even really talked about why we didn't get very far. Why I didn't get well, very far, but it's I, it's one of those things where I look at this and I say I don't know why people are so into this game other than nostalgia because it's just more star trek i think and it's pretty yeah but but not to play it might might have been better if we'd watched a let's play of this in this particular case um i was going to watch a let's play but i couldn't find a good one that didn't aggravate me so yeah um i i guess it in a way it misses the points of what we want a star trek game to be um, so, so it's, it's basically divided between these, um, adventure gamey segments and ship combat bits, which again, Star Trek, all right, fine. We'll have, have a battle with the Romulan or whatever, except so, action sequences in, in, in adventure games is the kind of thing that's always been a fairly controversial topic. A lot of the, the question is, are we doing the, is is this going away from the initial challenge of what an adventure game is, which is the cerebral stuff, or is it a good break from that? You know, it breaks it up. It, it, it gives it something action-y. Well, if the, it had been done well. the well. problem with most of these is, for example, Sierra used what – Sierra's engine that they used for all of their games was very geared towards making adventure games. Yeah. And so when they had an action sequence, they were making that in an engine that wasn't really – it wasn't really intended for that. It's hacking the engine to a degree, and so it was never quite as satisfying as it ought to be, and that's kind of the case here. You have the, the development on the – I mean it looks it looks very nice. You're on the bridge. You see the view screen, but you have to hit another key to tab over to the, the crew members in order to talk to them. There's different controls for – and it's just – and I guess what we what we hit up against the worst is that – 
everybody's shields regenerate, everyone can repair their ships, and so, you know, maybe you get off a few shots against this guy, because the radar's really weird, you can't find him again, and meanwhile he's repaired his ship, and you have to start the combat again, essentially. Right. Like, it was hard, like, I didn't, I don't think that, I mean, part of it is, yes, this is a game of an era where you just had to read the manual, and so... I don't necessarily yeah. fault the game for for not actually explaining everything. I mean, it's it it it's just you kind of have to go with it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like complaining about the original Star Trek being fifty minutes long. It's like, yeah, well, it just is. I don't know what to tell you. When you're but, sometimes when you read sometimes when you're reading an older book, there is vocabulary, for example, that you you don't yeah. use every day. That's essentially this. You got to look up a dictionary, and then when you can figure it out, all right. But I never felt. I mean, especially the the interface in the adventure game portions bothered me mostly because of how convoluted it was and how many different clicks I had to yeah. go through to do anything. But it wasn't, you know, since there was no time frame involved, really, it was fine. Like it was, it was annoying, but it wasn't fatal. Yes. Whereas my problem with the space battle sequences is a, you, you can't skip them and, or, or you can, but it's almost impossible to do so because of some, I mean, there's apparently, Apparently, as I understand it, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but uh, 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 so many people complained about the game <laughs> on its initial because there was the game initially came out without the voice acting, and then it came out on CD-ROM yes. a couple years later, and they initially in the floppy disk version of the game they had released a no battle patch that you could kind of like skip over the battles um, because so many people complained yeah. because these are adventure game people. They don't want to play, you know, wing fighter or whatever the fuck it was called. But when the 25th anniversary version came out, they never released that patch for it. And okay. so there's apparently some way you can do it, but I was playing it on the Mac and I don't, I couldn't figure it out and I couldn't even find the patch anywhere. Basically the choice was between, do I try to do this puzzle that's harder than actually playing the game or do i just admit to our patrons that we couldn't beat the battle and that's okay no because i think this has to be a real look at the game yeah. i don't want to be like no trying, I, trying to you. figure out a way to, to to finish the game for complete sake and apparently one of the other things i read about the and this was kind of what ultimately soured me on the game um the final mission apparently in the original version was a lot more space battle heavy and then they retooled it to be a longer adventure segment and then a space battle. So mm. I just didn't really feel like dealing with the climactic space battle. I guess because the game actually expects you to care about the space battle. Um, well, to that's a degree, a, well, that's – I mean that's the problem with the space battles is that you know they're – they're both hard and not hard. I mean, basically how they work is, you know, there, there's there's two sections of the game, as Richard said. You're, you're on the bridge, and that starts out, and you get a mission from Starfleet Command. And then you have to warp to a map that is not labeled, which I loved. Well, that was <laughs> that's copy protection. That's, again, another, uh, another reason that, you know, a, a, another thing from dealing with the game from this era. That was the copy protection. There's a blank star map in the game, and the manual has the right. coordinates. So it's like, okay... Uh, not great user interface, but okay, like fine. And then, you know, I bought it, so I had the manual. Um, <laughs> so you have to warp to a star system, and then you immediately get into a battle with Romulans or Lazy Pirates or whoever. And these battles essentially come down to uh, uh, you get you get you're on the you're on the bridge, it's the view screen. You've got this ship flying all over the place. There's this little uh, radar thing. I, well, it's not really radar, but whatever it is, sensor, I guess. Yeah. Um, that is a dot that is supposed to be the enemy ship, and you follow it. You know, with the with the arrow keys, you move the ship up and down in space, 360 degrees. 
And at the same time, you're basically the enemy's going, you're going after the enemy on strafing runs and the enemy's going after you on strafing runs. And you keep having to click on Scotty to fix parts of the ship. Meanwhile, while that's being fixed, you're trying to like get different sides of the ship to not get hit or get hit depending on how your shields are, what's damaged. And then it's like there's a lag between like where the phasers are going and the photon torpedoes are going and the ships are going too fast and you can control your speed, but there's really no way to do it effectively. And the whole thing is just a mess. For me, what I found hard was, I mean, was they, they, the sensors are 2D trying to represent a 3D plane, but they can't, there, there was no way I could figure for it to say whether it's above you or below you. Stuff like that. Um, it, I it, I could tell where it was on the two D plane, but I, yeah, it was just it's it, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of doing it okay, but I mean, and that's the thing too is like it didn't really tell you what that was or how to do it. I mean, in the first space battle, I was like, where the hell is the ship? I don't even know had, where it is. Which and we should have read the manual for what that part was. But again, I don't feel like. I don't know. There was no way to make this game more fun or engaging. It wasn't the fact that I didn't quite understand the controls that I didn't enjoy it. There was no... I I, I mean, I got the controls down fine. It was just the space battles were very, very tedious. Yes. And the, and, whole, the tedious describes the entire game. And they're not really edifying in any way. They're not fun. I don't get anything out of beating them. And then, of course, it just it feels like the game going, fuck you. You want to play the game? Do this first. Yes. You know, it's just I, I don't I don't like games like that. No, no, that and that that's I see. I guess what what really this is a big thing. This is the twenty fifth anniversary. You get the original cast. You know, this is supposed to be, and this is when more computers are in homes than they had been. Um, I can see a version of this that every Star Trek fan who owned a computer might enjoy, but. This is a game that's made for hardcore adventure game fans, and I think that's what a lot of the problem is. They didn't, yeah. you know, if this had been made for a broader audience, if it hadn't been as nitpicky adventure games, if it hadn't, I don't feel like challenge is the point of this game. Well, let me ask you a very, like, fundamentally basic question about adventure games. Okay. I I think that this will be interesting to to our patrons because you know I, I don't know much about adventure games. I mean, I, I played some of them when I was a teenager, and I, I I like them to a certain degree, but I don't like the really 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 convoluted ones. Yeah, I never really got into a lot of the Sierra games because I found them too obtuse. Why are the puzzles like this? Well, what, what is the uh, what is yeah, the reason? Here's the thing. Um, we're so adventure games. Grew the graphical adventures grew out of text adventures, sure, uh, and text adventures. So we're talking about games like Zork and Adventure, very early ones. Origin initially came from places like MIT, ex- places where extraordinarily intelligent people who were programming all day and who enjoyed, who basically fixing an intricate puzzle was their day job. So adventure games were kind of an extension of that. Um, Going, That's kind well, of what I thought. Well, but... yeah, going in the 70s and 80s, if you had a computer, you were a computer guy. Yeah. And if you had, were a computer guy, you enjoyed programming. And if you enjoyed programming, you would 
And there is also a degree of supply and in other words, if there are only a handful of games, you're willing to work on one for months. Uh, you and I are not interested in working on Star Trek uh, 25th anniversary for a period of a very long time because we have other stuff we would rather do, other games we would like to play, yes. other things we can enjoy. Um, I need to do my laundry. <laughs> better design games. But, um, I mean, there is a – and that was one of the – Things that companies like Infocom would deal with as the 80s wore on and as interactive – as computers became a little more more mainstream, as interactive fiction sales started to decline. Um, do we want to make games for this extraordinarily hardcore audience who is going to enjoy unwinnable situations and enjoy uh, you know, puzzles that require these weird leaps of logic and – or do we make a more accessible game that's going to be for a larger audience, that's going to be for people who enjoy reading or playing Star Trek or whatever it is? Um, well, and I think that there's, I think that there's a space for, for, for both those types of adventure games. And I, frankly, I that's, where, that's where we are now. It's where we've been for a couple of years, and I think that you know, that is one of those you – know, Indie game scenes bubble up every every so often. Um, I mean, my my thing about adventure games in general, and this is 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 a direct criticism of, of Star Trek twenty fifth anniversary as yeah. well, is that I don't have a problem necessarily with a puzzle that is logical. I just have a problem with a puzzle that has a solution which would not work in real life. Yeah, I mean, part part of the issue with the puzzles in Star Trek twenty fifth anniversary is. You've got tools with weird names that we don't know what they are, and they're just made up for the game. You've got all kinds of weird science, you know, uh, uh, science things that are kind of either made up or I have no idea what they are. And I don't. And it's it's yeah. one of those issues where it's like use the hyperspanner capacitor to do the thing with the bot. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And if this was a real world thing, and it was like put a spatula on a stick and then put it in the thing like that would make more sense to me well there's you know a, what I, mean? I mean there is a degree where we, this is a science game and you fiction game and we are dealing with weird technology but they don't what a lot of games which the kind of games which deal with those kind of puzzles well provide the background yes this doesn't work in the real world right but in the game the game world has established this is how these chemicals work or this is what this equipment does um, i mean the most probably or the at most least, or at least pr- provide a an ability to experiment and derive what the properties are right and i don't know that the game does that at all yeah you clanging know, like- a tool against incorrect things you know in real life would produce different properties that we could clanging the tool against something that is isn't the exact lock for this key just has spock saying that's not logical captain right yeah 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 yeah. i mean it doesn't give the right amount of feedback i mean probably the most infamous example of this is um from gabriel knight 3 of course which uh was the one where you had to like Get a cat. Yeah, but I mean that that post- like, you had to like put like tape on a fence and then scare a cat to get some cat hair to make a fake beard so you could like look like someone's ID. It was just like you know, and and it is a little bit overblown that that is the worst adventure game puzzle of all time because there are a lot other really bad adventure games, frankly. But you know, at and least- and, a lo- and I guess you know the thing is that's that's an egregious puzzle, sure, but um. It wasn't necessarily because of ridiculous puzzles like that that are the problems with adventure games. There's a lot more. I think, you know, focusing on that one puzzle oh, yeah. uh, misses the more insidious and, you know, just 
convoluted design ideas. In a lot of ways, one of the major problems with adventure games is that it is an extreme. It, it historically has been an extremely conservative conservative genre, uh, where which has not been that comfortable innovating. I mean, I remember when Sierra moved from a list of verbs to just a single cursor, which again turned out to be one of the great innovations in uh, adventure game UIs, and just how many people had a problem with that. Yeah, and, you know, it is still thought of as you know dumbing it down when it was just making it easier. You yeah. don't need all, all every single sense if there are you're not going to implement every single. Well, sentence. there's I mean there's there's making. There's dumbing things down, and then there's making the interface better, or making the game better. Well, this, like I think the, that there, yeah. I think that this game is a perfect example of the fact that a lot of adventure games have objectively bad user interfaces. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I, I don't again, think... I'm glad that the single the single cursor, you know, games nowadays use a ver- list of verbs only if they really need it. Right. You know, you're only going to have a difference between pick up, use and examine if there's a re- if if all three Why why is yeah, like this game has a difference between like use and get? Why why? Yeah. Why does that exist? Uh, unless there is a puzzle <laughs> that, you know, sometimes using it does something, sometimes getting it does something else. And in that case, I would say redesign your hotspots in that case. Yeah, exactly. But again, you know, games nowadays do that or games will have contextual verb menus. You know, maybe most of the time get is the only thing you can use. But if there is information that we need to use by sense of smell for a chemical, for example. uh, And I don't, I mean, I I don't know. There may be ones that uh, later on in the game that I did not get to, but I can't think of an example of any, item in the game which is usable or gettable that would you could do i you you could only do one of them with yeah. you know like there's a pile of wires on the ground you can't use you those. can't use it you're going to take it you know like that's the action you just need a, a generic yeah. action you don't you don't need this two thing here again um, that that's i be, because i believe in a lot of ways that comes from graphic the verb coin comes from graphical adventures uh history in interactive fiction so you're dealing with a parser so you have theoretically any verb you can think of you can type into the game and any verb can theoretically work in practice obviously not the case there do but there are a standard list of verbs for the most part in most interactive fiction sure or text adventures and again people were some people were complaining that making graphics was dumbing it down from what interactive fiction was and so i think a lot of adventures had lists of verbs because in the early Sierra Adventures, those games had parsers. This, I mean, uh, the verb coin in some ways is an appendix. It's a, it's tonsils. It's it's wisdom teeth. It's things that... Be careful. The appendix is actually useful. So are tonsils. <laughs> um, I have not. So are wisdom teeth. I don't have any of them in my body right now. You're going to die. I, I, I well, everybody is. Uh, that, that I can guarantee that. Um, well, I mean... Yeah, it, it feels the interface feels very vestigial. It's it's I can imagine you know put, throw this into AGS and uh, ha- use a modern engine on that. It would be a much better game. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Well, I think that um, let, let's move aside from from the very sort of we're, we're 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 moving down a road that's very very esoteric. And Richard knows a lot about this stuff because he is a video game designer. I don't know that that's going to be super interesting to everybody out there <laughs> listening to this. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of like 
I think we've said our piece about the game and why it's kind of terribly designed. Um, but let's talk about the actual Star Trek aspects of it because I like it. I think it works good, but I don't know that there's really that much to talk about here. I well, mean, what, and so the episode that you missed actually that I played, uh, deals with Harry Mudd actually. Um, and he's now, unfortunately the actor had died at this point. Correct. Um, I don't know. I think I seem to remember that, uh, Let's put it this way. If it is the original actor, he plays a ter- does a terrible job of playing Harry. Well, and let's be I mean, let's be be um, frank here that none of the voice acting is particularly good. Well, that was part of the I, we kind of felt that way with animated series. You know, these actors may be fine actual actors, but uh, I, I actual isn't exactly these. The, the pro- These people the may problem- be fine live action actors, but they're not voice actors. Well, the problem with voice acting is that it's a different skill. And yeah. also, generally speaking, the way voice acting is done is alone in a booth. Yes. And they have no context. They're just given a list of lines to read. They have no context for particularly in what the lines game. are. Yeah. They don't have the other actors to play off of. And so they're just not giving very good performances. Yeah. Now, certainly it's fun to hear Dr. McCoy say something or hear Spock say something or make or you make Kirk say something. You know, it's 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 enjoyable. I think the flavor of Star Trek is definitely there. I like the way that the sh- the, the show I was about to say the show. I like the way that the game does um, reward you for because you you can. There are br- some branching paths and it does that interestingly. Uh, well, you you can, uh, uh, you know, solve things in a non Star Trek fashion, but the game is going to punish you for that in some respects. By not giving you points, which you apparently know. you need a certain number of points to win the game at the end. Okay, but that, uh, that sounds like a great way to piss someone off. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's things like, and there are some light dialogue options, but they usually boil down to Kirk being very nice to somebody or Kirk being very mean. He should to someone he should be nice to. That's about it. Yeah, I mean the the choices are fairly obvious which ones are the correct ones or not. You know, because it's like. Hello, I'm a representative of the United Federation of Planets, and we are here for peaceful exploration. And then the option two is, I leave the system now. We're going to shoot you. And it's like, yeah. no, Kirk would never say that. Yeah. So, you know, that that kind of thing is, is a little weird. I, I do. I don't know generally how I feel about the fact that each of the actors is there. I mean, I think that part of the reason why the interface is so convoluted is that there would really be no way for Nichelle Nichols or George Takei or James Doohan uh, or Walter Koenig to really get in on the action. Well, I want to say... If they didn't put the bridge portions in that fashion. Well, I didn't play... I haven't played the sequel to Star Trek Judgment Rights, but apparently they actually do switch it up. They'll get, you know... Ahura can go on an away mission at one point. So, you know, they just... That would be better. It's just a case of you write you you write an episode that Ahura has a part on. You can, you know, the show had certainly episodes in which, you know, Sulu beamed down or they are very much, you know, yes, and I like, it's nice that they are working with the power trio, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, apparently the sequel does rectify and does give the other characters. I didn't play it. I don't know if it has space battles or not. Apparently the episodes are also linked in that game too. Like there is, yeah, a, there's more of a progression because they're very they're very episodic. Haha, um, in the game, which is cute. You know, yeah. it does feel like playing a half dozen episodes of the 
series. Um, well, I think of the three that I that I actually played and finished, I think the first one was actually my favorite because it didn't really have any convoluted puzzles. Everything was sort of logical, and it was and nice. It was a it, it kind of showed off the various things you can do. There is a quick phaser battle. Uh, there yeah. is um, there's dialogue. There's um, you have to solve things by talking to people. You have to solve things by using items. You have to solve things by taking items. You know, there's the co- combining items. I mean, it's it's you know, it's all very basic adventure game stuff, but it's done well, and I like the flavor of it because it did feel very true to Star Trek. I think that you know, my my least favorite one was the third one, only because it was so convoluted. Yeah, the and second, yeah, the second one I feel like was pretty good. The second one, you the a ship gets hijacked by these lossy parts. Now, are they are they a part of the? They're they're just invented for this game, as far as we understand. I think so. Yeah, um, I think they do reoccur, and maybe there is a but. Um, uh, um. Well, you fight them in the fourth episode. Yeah. And that's the one that I couldn't finish. So I guess they pop up a couple of times. Um, anyway, so – and you have to defuse the hijacking situation. And again, they all feel like stuff that Kirk and company would do that, that calls that they would be called on. But the game doesn't quite understand when we want to pretend to be Captain Kirk for a little while what we want to be doing when we pretend to be him. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because I think one of the nice things I think about the second episode in particular was there's two basic ways to finish it, which is you can either break into the bridge or you can beam onto the bridge. And I think you get more points if you beam onto the bridge, I guess, because it's more like yeah. Star Trekky and fun. But the other nice thing about it is when you actually get on the bridge, you can either stun everyone or you can quickly talk to the captain. I think if you talk to the captain, yeah. you, get, you get more points. If you talk to him, he ba- you know you basically you can and you can ask him to surrender, and he says, "Well, as a man of honor, you you are a worthy opponent, Kirk. I surrender." Yeah, and you know, but again, that's nice. That's the kind of stuff that happened in the series. Um, yeah, I, I I guess I have a you know I have an ideal Star Trek game in my head. It's one that lets me feel like Captain Kirk or Captain Picard or whomever for a while. Maybe Judgment Rights or even they made a Next Generation version similar to this. But uh, I don't know. This isn't it. Yeah, Star Trek is definitely something that's difficult to translate into a video game. And I don't really know that there's ever been a really good one. Well, if Telltale Games or anybody would like to hire me to write an episodic uh, game based on Star Trek, please let me know because I have some really fucking great ideas. I don't know if Telltale could afford it. I don't know. They just got Batman. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. They have I don't Game know. of Thrones. They have uh, <laughs> Minecraft. They've got a few licenses. I At this point, if anybody were to get the license, they may be... I think of 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 the ones that you just mentioned, the only one that's probably on the same stature historically as Star Trek is probably Batman. Yeah. So that's part of it, too. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I don't exactly know why everyone was chomping at the bit to play this other than nostalgia yeah. of, of what the game was when they were playing it when they were, you know, 10 or whatever. And, you know, coming at it from this point of view, like, I'm, I, I think it's worth... The two bucks or three bucks yeah. I paid for it. I mean, I'm so. I certainly yeah. would not have wanted to pay fifty dollars for this in 1991. <laughs> but then again, it was a very different time. There was no internet. I mean, it was, I, but nobody had access to it. I certainly am somebody who I play a lot of retro games. I am very good at you know 
peeking through and figuring out a convoluted interface or, you know, I, I can usually put myself into the mindset. I guess at the end of the day, nothing in Star Trek 25th anniversary made me want to. Yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to. Nothing really drives me forward to play it. It feels very inessential. And I have to – this is, again, maybe another interface thing. But when you start the game, in order to – you can't just go and load your save game. You have to go – Oh, that drove me You insane. have to see the Interplay logo. I mean they begin with a very nice, you know, with the space, the final frontier and a, and a, compu- and a sprite graphics version of the intro. It's cute. And then each of the levels has, you know – Kirk saying the name of the episode, and you see the Enterprise fly by. Well, every I think time that was actually McCoy of McCoy saying the uh, episode, and the Enterprise flies by. And but yeah, to, when you start a new game, you have to go through the Interplay logo. You have to go through the intro to the first episode. There's a couple of lines of dialogue. Then you can load your game, and you have to do that every single time. And it's it it it. it, it it just drive, drove me a little insane. There's like a jankiness to the game. Yes. That just... Again, given the amount of... This has obviously had a budget. It's not like this is a cheap production. The The art is exquisite. This is... I mean, I've seen... I, I'd seen screenshots of this. This is some of 1992 or 93's best pixel art at this point. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I guess at the end of the day, it, it is a case of this was a computer game people that had computers and played games like this in 1991 would put up with this stuff because they were the type of people that would put up with this stuff. I mean, it sounds like a tautology, but no, you know, I mean, I think about like games that I was playing when I was this age and I was playing them on like a super Nintendo. Now I certainly don't think that, you know, say final fantasy or something has the best interface ever, but it's better than this. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm thinking about the old Sierra games about, I, this is when Sierra was at its height, LucasArts was at its height, and their games had much more streamlined interfaces than this one. And they had really pretty pixel art, too. And they were good games. I think I... Yeah. I mean, I think I like the idea of Star Trek as an adventure game more than I like this game. That's I think fair. Of any genre of video game that I can think of that Star Trek would fit into best, it probably is the adventure game genre. Because adventure games do te- tend towards nonviolent solutions and towards thinking out your problem and towards dialogue. And those are all hallmarks of yeah. – on RPG, for example, which usually do have a lot of combat in. And in 1992, they weren't ready to experiment away from combat in RPGs as they are now. That really wouldn't work. There are a couple – at least a couple of um, space games that are explicitly space battle games. I think there's a Klingon one too. Yeah. And and because those – I've never played those, but because they are designed to be flight sim type games, I'd assume they have more of a precision towards that. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I would hope so. Well, I am a little disappointed that I did not enjoy Star Trek 25th anniversary more than I wanted to. But as am I. I do kind of though. Uh, I don't believe the next generation one is has been re released, but I do want to play that one. I don't think so. Do you know what year that came out? It was after ninety two. All right, so it's probably not a ninety seven or ninety eight. Oh, okay, think. well that's you know that's late enough that it might not be so janky. Um, apparently that one is it's one overarching story based on several away missions. Um, hmm. there's apparently conversations on the ship that you have with your other characters and stuff like. I don't know. It it would be interesting. 
Oh, we'll have to see. Maybe that'll come out and we'll do a podcast on that. Oh, boy. Compare and contrast. I kind of want to play Judgment Right someday, though. We'll do it. Well, not today, because I already played this. <laughs> well, that was the patron special. We hope you liked it. We're, we're sorry we did not like the game more. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's... If you're the type of person that can play these types of games, you will probably get something out of it. If you like this kind of thing, you'll like this thing. And that is a very, very, very small amount of whatever I just said. I'm sorry. I, my brain is not here today. Well, next month we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going we're gonna to change it up a little bit again, and we're going to go back to doing a, a, an actual thing that we watch. Uh, we're going to talk about Forbidden Planet. Uh, why are we doing Forbidden Planet? Well, I watched this movie a couple years ago for the first time, and you know, I've heard various things about whether or not Gene Roddenberry was very influenced by it or not. I tend to think he was probably a little influenced by it, but not that much. It was... Um, one of the first, I think, big budget science fiction movies that space movies that were taken kind of seriously in a way, um, not played for laughs, not done as a B movie. You know, certainly you had other things like, um, you know, the day the earth stood still and things like that, but those are a little different. So, um, yeah, it was the first kind of out in space movie. It looks really good still. Um, the special effects actually hold up pretty well. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to see. How it uh, it'll also be good for Richard because he's got a literary thing or whatever, and it's based on the Tempest. So look forward to that. My it'll, period was uh, modernist British literature. It's all the same. It's all the same. Contemporary. Science, you have an English degree. It's all the same. So yeah, I couldn't really make head or tail sure. of Shakespeare. You can. You're gonna have to. No, because I'm gonna watch the movie instead. Yeah, so we'll do that next month. So look forward to that. And thank you again. Yay. Very much. All the patrons out there, we love you. We do. We'll continue to love you as long as you give us money. And once you stop, we no longer love you. It's how it works. So keep that in mind. I'm going to go get on a plane now and go to Las Vegas for the Star Trek convention. I'm going to uninstall 25th anniversary. <laughs>